Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. going to talk about investing our time wisely today as we continue our series Entrusted, Why All of Life Matters. We've looked at family last week, time today. We'll talk about money and relationships in the next couple weeks. Um, We want to be good stewards with what God has given us because we're called to invest with eternity in mind so we can live a life that matters. Imagine that there is a bank that credits your account each morning with $86,400. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, It carries over no balance from day to day. Every evening it deletes whatever part of the balance you failed to use. What would you do? Drew, what would you do, draw? I can't get it out this morning. But anyway, uh, what would you do? You would draw out every cent, of course. Well, there is a bank, and that bank is called Time. Every day, it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Think about that. Every night, it writes off as lost whatever you fail to use, and it carries over no balance. Someone said there's no rollover minutes with God, okay? That's time. There's no overdraft. It opens a new account for you each day, and if you fail to use it, then you lose it. There's no going back. There's no barring against tomorrow. We must live in the present on today's deposits, and that's why you and I must invest our time wisely. Um, I love what Benjamin Franklin said. He said, don't squander time, for it's the stuff Life is made of. That's true. A.W. Tozier said time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember it has no resurrection. I used to say when I was growing up, I'm just killing some time. Can't get that time back. Are you using your time wisely? I hope we have that uh, graphic. Uh, if not, it's a uh, uh, something I found online. It's the average daily screen time for Americans per app. Yeah, there it is. And it's interesting. The least use is Twitter. If you're on Twitter one minute a day, that ends up being six hours in a year. And then you go all the way up to the the most used one, Facebook. If you're on Facebook 58 minutes a day, that's 325 hours a year. And, of course, I could go over all the other ones, too. There's Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, uh, WhatsApp, and I think Pinterest. But um, Forbes did an article on that graphic, and they said that according to that graphic, Americans spend on average, are you ready, more than 1,000 300 hours on social media last year. 1,300 hours on social media last year. Now, to kind of do what Danny did here, if we were to make that equivalent, that time equivalent to money, according to um, payscale.com, the average hourly rate of pay in Somerset is $15.03. So if you multiply $15.03, to 1,300 hours on social media a year, 
that would be a paycheck of $19,539. Get you a good used vehicle. That's a lot of time, isn't it? Wow. Um, now, we know that we have been through a lot in the past couple years. I mean, the way COVID has impacted our lives and with all of the um, uh, government restrictions and stuff we faced, they did a little thing on that too, how the pandemic has changed Americans' lives down to the minute. I won't bore you with a bunch of stats, but what it does say is that they have a thing called American Time Use Survey. I didn't know that was a thing. And it says every year they ask thousands of people to track their time minute by minute to know how they spend their day. And they said normally the changes are small from year to year, but not this time. When you look at uh, 2020, uh, it basically says that people are staying home more. They're doing more shopping online. They're working out from home and those kinds of things. Those things have impacted our lives. It's, we, look at, we look at our time differently than we used to, and that's the point. But here's my question today. If we were to go to God's Word, what does the Bible say about our time? And that's what we're going to look at here for the next few moments, is what does the Bible say about our time? Look, if you will, in Psalm chapter 90. Right there, Psalms is usually in about the middle part of your Bible. And Psalm 90 is a wonderful passage of, uh, of Scripture that uh, is, is credited to Moses. It's a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And I want us to look at Psalm 90. Let's look at the first four verses. It says, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to the dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam. For in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. What I want you to see from that is that we are to treasure God because He's eternal. When you look at what the Bible says about time, well, first of all, we realize that there is someone, His, his name is God, that is that transcends time, that he, he is the refuge of every generation. Before the mountains were born, before the world came into being, from eternity to eternity, there is God. And so we should treasure God because He's eternal. What do I mean? He's the only one that lasts from generation to generation. Throughout all the times of our lives, He's that steady rock, the rock of ages, they say, that is always there that mankind will die, that man will return to dust, but God is always there. So we should treasure God because He's eternal. There's a second thing we see in this psalm, but before we do that, just think about it. treasuring God because He's eternal. Um, you know, ask God, I challenge you this morning, to ask God to show you what you value in life. I mean, since He's the one that transcends time, think about what you do with your time, your talent, your treasure. And ask yourself, are you investing in God's kingdom or the world? Are you investing in things that won't last? Because see, God will always last. Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth uh, nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. You and I need to treasure God because He is eternal. Well, there's a second thing we see in Psalm 90, and that is to measure our time because it doesn't last. Okay, It's a limited, finite resource. In Psalm 90, skip on down to verse 10, and it says, Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly, and we fly away. Now, we know in the Bible, particularly in the book of Genesis, before the flood, people lived hundreds of years old. Methuselah is the oldest at 969 years. We know that when the flood came, God said his spirit wouldn't strive with man forever. He put a lid on it and said 120 years max. Here's Moses a few generations later saying, you know, a lot of people last 70 years, 80 if you're lucky, and if you're older than that, then just say, I'm, you know, I'm blessed, okay? I'm blessed. But the point is this. Time is limited. Time is limited. We only have a certain amount of time that you and I uh, are alive on earth. And so regardless of how long we live, it goes by fast. Man, it goes by fast. You know, we're celebrating not only Dad's birthday that's tomorrow, but Ethan's birthday's tomorrow. They've got the same birthday. And one is and one is 17. How do you like that? <clears throat> but uh, time goes by fast, and so we need to realize that. Uh, I love this poem about the value of time. It says, time is a valuable commodity. Every day is precious, and we need to measure it and number it. Now, to realize the value of one year, ask a student who failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby. If you want to know the value of one hour, ask the businessman whose flight was delayed and he missed an important business deal. If you want to know the value of one minute, Ask the man who had a heart attack in a restaurant and the EMT just happened to be there and they used CPR to save his life. If you want to know the value of one second, ask the person who barely missed a head-on collision with an oncoming car. If you want to know the value of one millisecond, ask the Olympic swimmer who missed qualifying by six-tenths. You see, time is very, very valuable and you and I need to make the most of every moment that we have. Then we see here in Psalm 90 a third principle, and that is pleasure comes from God's wisdom because He's the only one that can satisfy us. Look, if you will, in verse 12, Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Lord, how long? Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your, unfaith- with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. Lest your work be seen by, uh, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. And so he says, look, Lord, teach us to number our days. Lord, give us wisdom. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love. 
make us rejoice for as many days as we live on this earth. Let your work be seen and establish the work of our hands. Give us favor and establish the work of our hands. You and I need to use our time wisely. You know, there are 168 hours in each week. And the average person will spend about 56 of those sleeping, about 24 of those eating and hygiene and things like that, and about 50 of those uh, working or coming and going back and forth to work. And that means that we have about 35 hours in a week of discretionary time left over, which is about five hours per day. That's probably more than you, you thought. And the question is, what are we doing with those, those hours of the day? How do we invest our time wisely? I want to give you uh, three principles today, how we invest our time wisely. Number one, inspect the window of each opportunity. Inspect the window of each opportunity. What do I mean by that? Uh, you, you and I know that there are certain moments in life when you have to make a decision and you have to make it right then because there's a window of time and you have an opportunity to do this and you either make that decision to say yes or no and then that window's closed until the next window comes and then you repeat that same scenario. So one thing we need to do when it comes to investing our time wisely is inspect the window of each opportunity. Let me give you some scripture. Ephesians 5.15 says, Pay careful attention then to how you live not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If you were to put a headline that describes life on this earth, it would be the days are evil. We're living in a fallen, sinful world. The days are evil. And so every day matters. We don't need to be foolish. We don't need to squander our time. We don't need to waste our time. Or what I used to say, we don't need to kill our time. We need to understand what the Lord's will is. We need to be aware of what He wants us to do in life so that when the window of opportunity opens, uh, and presents itself, we can say, I may only get to do this once. You know, I had a window of opportunity. I can remember when I was in college and I started thinking about the future. I said, you know, one of the things I want to do while I'm young is I want to I go to a camp for one summer and I want to be on staff as a camp counselor. And I just want to enjoy that because when I get older and and you get a career and have a family, I'm not going to be able to do something like that all summer. And so I realized that was a, a season in life that if I wanted to do that, that was the time to do it. And so I prayed about it. And the long story was, the short, the summer before my senior year of college, I got to serve uh, seven weeks one summer in Wise, Virginia at a Christian camp there. And that was an, an awesome experience and an awesome opportunity. So you and I need to understand what the Lord's will is and, and inspect the window of each opportunity. Colossians 4, 5 says, Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Galatians 6, 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, There is an occasion for everything, a time for every activity under heaven. You know, if you want to know what God's will for your life is, just say, Lord, what time is it? At this stage, at this season in my life, Lord, what do you want me to do now that if I don't do now, I may not be able to get done? 
you know, there are people around you that God wants you to use to, to share hope and the love of Christ and the gospel. And you might say, well, I'm in junior high school. What can I do? The people that are around you right now at that season of life in a few more years, you may not ever see again. This is your time. This is your moment to show Christ to them. And I could say that of every stage, every age of life that there are windows of opportunity, there are seasons to every stage of life. And during that season, during that stage, you have a window of opportunity. What are you going to do with that window of opportunity before it closes shut? You've got to understand what God's will is. You've got to make the most of every opportunity. You've got to leverage your time for the kingdom of God. That's what I did when I wanted to serve that summer at camp. And I've never regretted that. There's a second thing we can do when it comes to investing our time wisely. We inspect the window of each opportunity. And the second thing, we evaluate the priority of each activity. We evaluate the priority of each activity. Luke 12, verse 29 says, Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink. And don't be anxious, for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. That's Jesus' teaching. And He's saying, look, you know, I know you're thinking about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. You know, the world does that. They chase the things they want. They chase the things they need. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live like the rest of the world. The Father knows you need them. Seek Him first, and He will still provide those things. But don't waste your time and your energy on focusing on that. Focus on Him. Why? Because I don't want your head down thinking about what you got to do next when you have a window of opportunity in front of you. And when you have a decision to make, you need to evaluate each activity based on its priority. Psalm 119 verse 37, the psalmist says, Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless and give me life in your ways. Boy, isn't that good? I mean, we can waste time with our eyes looking at things that we want, that we see. We all do it. I do it. But we need to say, Lord, turn my eyes from looking at what, what is worthless and give me life in your ways. Colossians 3 verse 1, So if you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. In other words, there in Colossians, we're given a glimpse of glory. We're given a glimpse of what the future of as a child of God is going to look like, that Christ is our life, and that one day when He appears, we also will appear with Him and be with Him in glory. That's how all this ends, y'all. And so instead of going through life with our head down, thinking about what's next, keep your eyes open, keep your head up, be, be aware of what God's uh, will is in your life. Be aware of what season, season and stage you're in. Be aware of those open windows of opportunity and start evaluating your activities based on priority. 
I love, uh, here's some ideas, just some practical tools for you. How do you evaluate your priorities? I'm going to give you three simple things real quick. One is the ABC method. You know, just make a list of everything you got to do. And once you've made a list of everything you got to do, grade it like a teacher would, an A, a B, or a C. An A is the most important, and if you don't get it done, it's going to cause problems. So it's the most important thing to do. The Bs are important, but they're not critical. And then the Cs, they're things that you'd like to finish, but they can wait. And so you make a list, you grade it A, B, or C, and you do your A's first, then your B's, and then your C's when you get around to it. That's one way to evaluate your priorities. Then there is the Eisenhower matrix. You've, you've heard of that, the General Eisenhower, one of our former presidents. Uh, it's also referred to as the urgent important matrix. He evaluated everything based on whether or not it was important and urgent or non-important, not urgent. And there was four possibilities. And when you look at them, you see those colored squares there. Depending on, on the matrix of the urgency and the uh, importance, you know what to do first. You know what to schedule for later. You know what to delegate to someone else. And you know what you shouldn't do. In other words, if it's not important and it's not urgent, then don't do it. And so those are the four options that you have when it comes to prioritizing your task. And then something a little bit more modern is the Michael Hyatt uh, Freedom Compass. And he's got a lot of good stuff out there on productivity. The Freedom Compass is a, a matrix based on your passion and your proficiency. In other words, you want to live as much of your life in the desire zone. What's the desire zone? It's stuff that you're proficient at, you're really good at, and you're passionate about. And if you live your life in the desire zone, then you're leveraging your life by doing what creates the most return on investment. You're, you're good at something, you're gifted at it, and you're passionate about it. So you focus your time and your energy there. And then if you're not good at it and you're not passionate about it, that's your drudgery zone. Nobody likes to live there. And then the other two is the disinterest. Maybe you're good at something, but you're not passionate about it. That's disinterest. Maybe you're really passionate about something, but you're not good at That could be a hobby. That's a distraction. And so you have an opportunity to focus on your desire zone. The middle thing, the development zone, is the development zone is something that you identify that's new. Maybe you're just now learning something about it. You're kind of interested in it. You're learning to get a little bit better at it. That could eventually lead to a desire zone. But it helps you realize that God has made us. He's gifted us with certain strengths. And so when it comes to uh, math, I call Brenda. I don't want to waste time on numbers. I'm not good at it. Okay, so I have no problem saying, hey, Brenda, can you check this out? You know, and so when it comes to when it comes to what you're good at and what you're passionate about, you've got to know how God has wired you and leverage that. I thought that was good. That's ways to evaluate the priority of each activity. There's one last thing. How do we invest our time wisely? We've talked about inspecting the window of each opportunity. We've looked at evaluating the priority of each activity. And the third thing is to leverage God's purpose in every responsibility. Let me say that again. Leverage God's purpose in every responsibility. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. In verse 7 through 9, Paul said, We walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we're confident, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. In other words, Paul says, look, this life I live, I live by faith. I don't base things on what I see. 
I base things on trusting Christ and following Him. And whether I'm in the body or away from the body, I want to please Him. So my number one objective is to please Christ. Every minute of every day, I just want to live my life for an audience of one. I want to please Christ. And so I'm going to leverage God's purpose in every responsibility I have. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, give me wisdom on this. Give me wisdom on that. And always leverage God's purpose in every responsibility. A good example of that is David. You know David, King David. In Acts 13, 36, I love this. What an epitaph this would be on a tombstone. It says, For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and decayed. Well, that's the reality of the body, right? Until the resurrection. But David, he served God's purpose in his generation. Now think about that. This is 2022. We don't get to change our, our, choose our scenery. Here we are on the calendar. It's 2022. And we're living during this day, during this time. We're living during this generation. What is God calling you to do to serve God in this generation? You've got to look at the time that you have. You've got to look at the opportunities that you have. You've got to prioritize what you're going to do with the time that you have left. Will you leverage God's purpose for your responsibility? Ecclesiastes 9.10, this was written by Solomon, David's son. And Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your strength because there's no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol where you're going. In other words, while you're alive, give it all you've got because when you're dead, it's over. So what are you going to do? with the time that you have left. Psalm 57, a psalm of David, says this. It's a prayer. It says, I call to God most high, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. Isn't that good? You know, if you don't know what to pray about, then call on God and say, God, I want Your purpose, Your will to be done in my life. Show me moment by moment. Show me day by day. And don't wrestle and agonize over the decisions of life that come up from time to time. Seek the Lord. Ask Him what He wants you to do. And boy, that simplifies so many things. So my question is this. Are you actively seeking and striving to do God's will each and every day? Because if you are, then you're going to look at those windows of opportunity. You're going to consider what you can do now for the kingdom of God that you won't have an opportunity to do at a, at a later you know, time in life. And then to evaluate the priority of each and every activity. And then, of course, to leverage God's purpose for every responsibility. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better way to live life than that. And I want to close today by saying this. Here in a moment, I want to have an invitation and I want to remind all of us that every single one of us right now has an opportunity to walk by faith and not by sight. We have an opportunity to trust and follow Jesus. You see, the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life is whether or not to trust and follow Jesus. And can I say this? There are only so many opportunities that you will have to do that. Let that sink in. There are only so many opportunities you will have to say, yes, 
Yes, Lord, I want to trust and follow you. And as you go through life, if you say no, 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 one of these days you're going to get to the end of the line and no more opportunities, no more pass, go, collect $200 for you Monopoly lovers out there. The game will be over. It'll be done. And so I encourage you right now to realize that today, right now, this moment, you have an opportunity to trust and follow Jesus. Let me give you a couple more Bible verses and I'll be done. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Paul, the apostle, says, For God says, At an acceptable time, I listen to you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. He's referring to something. It comes up again in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, chapter 3. And here's what the writer was inspired by the Holy Spirit to say. It says, as it is said, today, if you hear His voice, referring to the voice of God, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. It's talking about that generation that saw the miracles of God through Moses when they were rescued from the hand of Pharaoh and they were brought out of Egypt and they had an opportunity to go into the promised land and they just did not trust God. They did not believe. They heard His voice, but they hardened their heart. And that is a picture of every person today that hears the good news of the gospel, that our God saves. He saves He saves us from a life of sin. He saves us from the wrath and judgment of God that's coming someday. Our God saves. And every day we live is an opportunity to say, Yes, Lord, I need you. Yes, Lord, I want you in my life. Yes, my heart is yours. I'm giving it all. Take it, Lord. My heart is yours. And what I want to tell you is this. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart, but trust and follow Jesus. I want to say this and I'll close. I believe God is at work. I believe His words just as true now as when it was written. And if God is speaking to you today, He's saying, if you hear my voice, Don't harden your heart. Don't tune me out. Don't turn me off. Trust and obey. Trust and follow me today. And live a life that matters. Because when you follow Christ, and you do it each and every day, day by day by day, you're not perfect, okay? I'm not perfect. But if I I turn my eyes to Him and off of worthless things, then I seek to please Him. And what I have found is when I live my life God's way, when I look back, I have no regrets. I don't feel like I've wasted my time at all. I gave it all to Him. And one of these days when you look back at your life, I pray that you won't have any regrets because you said yes to Him. 
and you took advantage of every window of opportunity in the seasons and stages of life, you evaluated your priorities and you leveraged God's purpose with each responsibility in your hand and you did it with all your might until the very end. Warren Wiersbe, one of my personal heroes, I always loved Warren Wiersbe. You know, he wrote all those uh, commentaries on the Bible. He shared one time that he did not want his life to end in a swamp. Where I grew up in West Tennessee, on each end of the county, right, Danny? You cross the county line, and there's a big old swamp. Doesn't look like much, you know? And it's a reminder that, you know, not only do I want to start out well for Christ, but I want to finish well. I don't want to end in a swamp. And I pray that you don't want to do that either. So I encourage you today to make the most of your time and to leverage it for the kingdom of God. Let's all stand, and as musicians come, it's my prayer today that you will take take this lesson to heart and use your time wisely. And maybe in this moment, God is speaking to you about how you're living your life, how you're using your time. And I would just say this, are you seeking to please Him in everything you do? Are you leveraging your time for the kingdom of God? This, this is not a, a guilt trip. It's more like a gut check. Make sure you're living your life for the things that matter. We need to be reminded of that sometimes. And it's my prayer today that if you haven't made the decision to trust and follow Jesus, that you will say yes to Him before it's too late and there's no time left. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for each moment. Thank you for every minute of every hour of every day of every year. And Father, I pray right now, if there's someone here, Lord, that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that they'll make that decision to trust and follow you before it's too late. Lord, have your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.